Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for downloading this time what it's like being freelance for developer Remy Sharp. My business is past nine years old. I've never pitched for any work. And uh, my wife was, was pretty quick quite a few years ago to point out that actually I do pitch my work. I pitch it through the side projects or through my blog. What I am doing is I'm publishing the content and publishing my work and, and that's what my portfolio is, the fact that it's out there. You can get a sense that I'm capable of doing this thing is basically where all of my work has come from. Yes, hello, hope you're good. Don't forget, beingfreelance.com is the website. Maybe that's how you found us anyway. Uh, But of course, we're on iTunes and Stitcher, where we love it when you leave a review. Please do if you enjoyed this. Uh, Join us on Twitter, at beingfreelance, and check out all of the guests that we've had, uh, both through season one and season two. They kind of bleed into each other, but uh, it's been a busy year, and it's great. And I always appreciate it when uh, people take time out to chat. And today, we go to Brighton and to freelance developer specialising in JavaScript, Remy Sharp. Hey, Remy. Hi. Thanks for this. Yeah, good. So why don't we get started talking about how you got started being freelance? Sure. So um, I had a bit of an unconventional journey into uh, working for myself. Um, So uh, at university, I had a sandwich course and I didn't apply for any any work. And somehow a company got in touch with me um, and asked me if I want to do a placement year with them. And I did, and I ended up working for them for a total of nine and a half years. And at some point around year six or seven, I tried to quit. And uh, my boss, basically I joined when it was a very tiny company, when it was two, three people. I mean, I was literally second person on the payroll. And it grew to 30, 40, 80 people onwards. Um, And I really knew what I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed doing the little startup kind of or like the where we're getting kind of agency work, where we're doing little bits of work, moving on to the next piece of uh, piece of work, and keeping it interesting. And uh, when I tried to quit, my boss kind of called me out on it and said, "Look, do you really want to go and work for another company, or do you actually want to go work for yourself and run your own show?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's that's my plan. Basically, this would just be a one one year step, and um, I would then just run, like try and start my own." company by company i mean one man band you know me being the one man so he suggested working part-time basically um allowed me to do two days a week for myself and three days a week for the company i managed to step down my role from head of technology just just like a lead developer and i basically started freelancing from a train journey going from brighton to london um and because the train journey was three hour three hour round trip i was getting 15 hours a, a week and I basically went through all of my con- like contacts, all my friends, the people I knew, listed out what they did for a living and tried to work out if I could build them a website because I figured that was my starting point and how many clients. Um, I had a contract that didn't allow me to work in the same uh, industry, which was pretty broad at the time. Like I wasn't allowed to work in finance and everyone I knew from business was in finance. So <laughs> um, that was kind of tough. Um, and... Managed like two two people that again were my friends. They went to the businesses and um, they they were happy to hire me for some work and it kind of just grew from that. I mean that was that was two thousand six. That was Jan, uh, uh, September two thousand six. That I started my uh, my company Left Logic. I had a I think it was a year or two years worth of um, being employed whilst 
slowly increasing the amount of days I did for myself. I got down, I eventually got down to two days a week or, or one or two days a week working for this company, um, which allowed me to have a steady income whilst I was able to take the risk of freelancing and, and uh, running my own business. And I think it's that, it's that initial risk that's hard for a lot of people. They don't know how to make that jump. And I don't think I would have been able to imagine how to do it without having that support system in place, like actually having an income. Um, so I think I'm pretty, pretty fortunate in my journey. But, you know, use your, use your downtime as, you, as much as you can. I, I built my business on a train, basically. <laughs> it's nice. So that was 2006 when you yeah. first started stepping away. Yeah. So you formed Left Logic. That's your. Yeah. That's uh, as you trade, but it is mainly yeah. you. Yeah. It is. So it's it's kind of changed over the years. It was entirely me for the first six years, um, and because I I come from this background of working with, I remember enjoying really working with two or three people, and I remember thinking six is kind of my perfect size. I want to build a little agency that is six people. And I had this in my head for a long, long time. And um, around uh, 2009, 2010, I I subcontracted another developer, um, a young guy based out in Brighton called uh, John Linklater Johnson. Um, And he he was subcontracted under Left Logic for about two years. But we never really got to the point where I was comfortable enough to make the jump to full-time employ him. I, I'm not sure kind of what stopped me, but I never really got to the point where I could employ, I want, not wanted to, but couldn't justify it for some reason. Um, and then in between that, I did actually take on another employee, I t- took on an actual employee, but he was a, a young guy, not even straight out of university, basically leaving university, not finishing off very much same kind of age that I was when I, when I joined my company um, for nine years and hired him for a year. So I actually had an employee at that point, went ahead and actually got a, uh, an office space, very small space, but um, an office space. And that was what, 2011, I think. And then 2012, he, he left, so did John. Um, and I hired two new developers uh, for 2000, uh, for last year. These numbers aren't adding up, but last year I had two developers working for me. And then, I mean, I'll go into why later, but basically eventually... It went back down to just me and I have kind of gotten rid of the office and I'm back to working pretty much by myself. I mean, but the truth is, even though Left Logic is just me, um, my wife is uh, a major part in that business. She actually runs uh, our, our conference, FFConf. She does all the, she organizes all the training. She does a bunch of accounts and logistics stuff in the company. So at the moment, it's a, a, a company of two where I'm kind of the face of it and uh, Julie is is behind the scenes kind of making sure everything runs properly with the stuff that Left Logic does on its side. And I think I've always kind of been resistant to the idea of being a freelancer because I don't like the idea of sitting in other people's offices. Um, I want to be someone you can hire, send the work to and I can send it back, which is a bit selfish. But um, I spent 10 years working in London so I've done my time and uh, I wasn't too keen on actually being kind of a bum on seat, if you know what I mean. But it's still, I mean, to me, it's like, it's a freelancer contractor. I'm not really the size of an agency, but it doesn't really matter kind of what you're called as long as you get the work done, I think. Yeah. Through that process mm. of kind of, you know, getting office space, getting actual staff who you're responsible for, how did 
that feel? What did, did that kind of change what you were doing? Because suddenly there's a pressure to get work for these people to do, or yeah, that's right. That was so like the stress for me personally. The st- the stress of having an employee and having to be able to provide enough work for them, paid work, um, is is kind of it. Kind of not. It wasn't worth it in the long run. Um, I mentioned that I had this idea of six people would be the perfect size of a company. It's taken me. It's taken me up to the end of last year to kind of shake that off and just say to, my, to say to myself that I don't need that. It's not. It, there was nothing that really um, justified it. It was just kind of a made-up figure that I got stuck in my head for years and years, and I felt like I wasn't really achieving what I wanted to achieve in my company unless I ticked that box. And I'm very good at working by myself. I, I, I'm currently working from home and I, I don't get distracted by TV or, or cats much. Yeah, it's just, it's quite, it's also, it's pretty demoralizing when they eventually leave. And, you know, people that you hire, they are supposed to leave. Like they will leave. That's, that's the, they're never going to, they're not going to stay with you for, for the whole period of time. And, you know, me working for a company for, 10 years or nine and a half years it's, it's kind of an exception it's not really the norm uh yeah so I, I miss having employees i miss having an office but i don't plan to do it again for another th- maybe three years at least and you know maybe i'll allow myself to change my mind but kind of written that off as it was fun it was good um but i realized i don't need it anymore yeah it's that whole thing of right deciding what your definition of successes yeah you know what you actually need because yeah you might end up bringing in more money but it only just goes somewhere else and with it comes a load of stress yeah yeah exactly (laughs) but maybe takes away the pleasure of doing your own thing anyway yeah so last year i i hired um i hired a a young developer called um fabian o'carroll um and a young woman called uh, julia alfonsi and she was on a six-month contract, and Fabian was on a. Uh, he was he he got in first. And he was a long-term contract, but they were hired both um, to work exclusively on JSBin. So I'd taken the decision at the end of 2014 to try and work full-time on my side project um, and try and make it self-sustaining. And I was investing basically my own cash into trying to make this thing make money um, and I blogged I've, I've blogged about it recently um, on romishop.com like a five part blog post that goes through some of the, the trials of, of running the, the, the service um, and the bottom line is it, it it's self-sustaining in that it can pay its own server costs but it was not self-sustaining in that it could pay for its development costs so I ended up sinking a lot of my own cash into paying salaries when I also wasn't like creating more revenue there was no revenue being like uh, whilst we were working full-time on JSBin, adding features fixing bugs which is really satisfying and it was really great to be able to hire people to work on something that i believed made the web better um but there was no client uh, the client were coming in to actually make money to keep paying them so as the business bank balance reduced and reduced and reduced it got to the end of uh, julia's six-month um contract and i just had to I was, I was, you know, honest the whole time, and Julia knew it was coming as well. That um, we just didn't, we couldn't justify um, uh, renewing the contract because JSBin wasn't making the money. And she went on to uh, another job, earning more money, which is really cool. I'm really happy for her. And the same thing happened with Fabian. 
And at that point, I was the only person in the office. I figured, you know, okay, this is a this is time to shut down the office, move back to working from home, and you know, see what new projects kind of uh, face me in the future. It was it was it was it's satisfying having it was satisfying for me having employees to work on the open source project, but unfortunately, it never got to the point where it could really like justify paying paying people to work on it full time basically yeah let's talk about those side projects um because you you seem to have quite a few on the go at once so Mm. other other than that attempt you know to make it into a an income making product i guess Mm -hmm. what do you get out of doing the side projects have have you always done them yeah I've, i've always i mean even before I really knew about open source and before, in fact, before really open source was a, an accessible movement, you know, today you make code, you kind of decide whether or not you want to make it open source or not. I was working on side projects. I was just interested in tinkering with code um, and just making things. I built a game for the Palm Pilot. I don't know if you oh, yeah. remember them or, yeah. but yeah, so I built, I actually built a game and I built a utility and both of them were pretty successful but I built it out of the fun of wanting to be able to, to make something for myself, and I just gave it away for free. I think the game had some had something like uh, half a million downloads, which was, which was quite a few for a Palm Pilot game. I mean, if I charged a pound for that, it's quite a bit of money, right? But it was for some reason my interest was more about kind of giving it away and getting the um, the ego kick of knowing that someone else is playing the game. I think I. I found an article in American Scientific that mentioned the game. Some some guy in New York was on the subway, saw someone else playing the game, started talking about talking to them about it on their Palm Pilot, and that's what kind of drove me to to just enjoying releasing the stuff for free. And then there's I've come from a background of always putting my code on the internet and. It means that anything I actually tinker on or build, I tend to publish and put it online. And if someone uses it, it's really cool. If someone doesn't, if people don't use it, then as long as I'm using it, it's, uh, it's, it's worth being there. It's worth having. It just maintaining these projects become harder as, uh, as life moves on. Yeah, so they're, they're a way of experimenting and keeping your actual paid work fresh. Yeah. Bearing in mind that lots of people listening won't know what any of this necessarily means but it doesn't matter the fact is it's you're somebody who has a skill and you're in your own time developing that thing so it could be graphic design it doesn't have to be code and the thing about my the way that i do business is i've never pitched for any work Um, my business is coming up on uh, is actually past nine years old i've never pitched for work and i've never been like the, the the business always has always been making money it's never been in the black uh, in the red is whatever the negative one is. Yeah, the, the red. Yeah, um, and you know, I, I, I used to just tell people this. I've never ever pitched for work, and it's kind of amazing that somehow I still get business. And uh, my wife was was pretty quick, quite a few years ago, to point out that actually I do pitch my work. I pitch it through the side projects or through my blog, and I'm not at, I'm not actually pitching. I've done, I don't think I've ever pitched JS Bin, for instance. But what I am doing is I'm publishing the content. And publishing my work, and and that's what my portfolio is—the fact that it's out there. That's examples of my work, and even if it's something that 
you might not use, you you can get a sense that I'm capable of doing this thing. And in fact, I got um, I got a, a client inquiry a few years ago that was for a huge, huge company that they were phoning to kind of ask if I, if you know me as Left Logic as a single person could build their, uh, you know, one of their store, one of their website store like wine websites basically but it was it was a huge amount of work and i asked them kind of who recommended me or where do they come from and it was through jsbin and it, it there's no way they looked at all the source code of jsbin they just knew that i was responsible for the vast majority of code there and that was my portfolio that the fact that it just exists out in the open and they can point back to me is um is basically where all, my, all of my work has come from. Man, that's huge. That's mm. great. Now, one of your side projects is the conference that you mentioned earlier, mm. Full Frontal. Yeah. How did yeah. that come about? This was uh, maybe February 2009. The web conference at Media uh, was pretty much the only conference that really served like, JavaScript on the web like in the UK, and it shut down in 2008. So the last one had been 2008. They weren't going to come back. Uh, basically it snowed in England in Brighton and when it snows in England it basically means no one works <laughs> so my wife and I went to the park built a snowman and then headed to the pub afterwards this is long before kids this is the time that we could actually do that kind of thing um, and it was maybe like 2pm having a drink having lunch and I'm moaning to her that there's no JavaScript conferences and she she works in events and uh, for a charity, and she's like the most of the JavaScript stuff just not going over her head. Like I've been with her for long enough that she understands what I'm talking about. But you know, it's like if I talk in detail about JavaScript to you, you may not actually be that interested. So she humors me for a while, and eventually she's like, "Look, either you stop moaning about it, or we just run this thing." Uh, we run this conference. Um, like, what do you need? And she gets the menu. She flips over the menu. And she starts, gets a pen. Like, what do you need? Who would be the speakers? Do you need sponsors? And she just basically crafted out um, what we needed to do to be able to run the event. And because we started in February, it gave us a nice kind of... Uh, so we, we ran it in November. You know, it gives us about 10 months to, to prepare it and put it all together. My job is... My my job that that year was to basically try and get the sponsors in, which was very very hard, and get the speakers in. Then I just have to keep plugging it through Twitter and through my blog. And over those ten months, we managed to sell all of those tickets, two hundred and twenty, and it was a, a massive success. Like it was really 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 good, really positive feedback. Everyone could see that it had been a conference just run. By me and Julie, it was it, it was during the time there were a lot of a lot of big conferences kind of going around, and we were serving a need that just to, didn't didn't exist in the UK at the time, um, and that's kind of repeated now every year. We've we've we're in our we're doing our seventh one in oh, two weeks. Gosh, um, the sponsorship is easier because we've got all our all the years under our bat under our belt, and we sell out in. I think last three years we sold out in a total of nine minutes. So it's very, very quick. And, and Judy's, uh, she's been running it for all these years now that she's, she, it's, it's pretty slick um, in terms of like, we know what needs to be done. We know what needs to be done for the AV. Uh, the venue is the same. So we, we work quite closely with them. The, the 
the thing that actually just makes it more complicated is the fact that we went on to have children and you know she's running the conference and also being a full-time mom and she i think one of the years she's she did pretty much all of the well, all of the emails these monstrous emails to all of our volunteers at 3am in the morning kind of between baby waking up and and on the day you know you don't you don't see it nobody sees the uh the like how much we struggled to kind of plug it to pl- like glue it together but it it runs smoothly and positive feedbacks were really, really positive and um yeah, but I mean, it, that's that's teamwork. We just happen to be very lucky that we can we can work together so well, and we found something we can work together on. Basically, um, that's awesome. What, yeah. what do you think running that conference? Um, and it must have been really like nerve wracking. I would have thought that first year, especially because presumably you know there's a financial risk there as well. What has that kind of given your business? Given you? So I'm not. So from a business perspective, as in uh, like client work, I don't think it's actually affected. So it hasn't affected any kind of development work. I don't think it's brought in any new work as much as like I do a lot of speaking as well. Or I, I did a lot of speaking. I kind of wound it down a little bit this last um, 18 months. But and did you do speaking before uh, you did yeah, this so event? I've been, I mean, I, so I don't speak at my event either. That's the other thing. There's a, I have a rule about how like, I never <laughs> want to speak at my event because... I, you know, I want to see these talks, so I make sure that I'm right there at the front, and I get to enjoy it, and I'm not running around like some, you know, headless chicken or anything like that. But I've been, I give conference talks. I've been doing it since 2008, I think, and it doesn't, for me, I don't feel like it brings in new work. The thing that it it does, it doesn't bring in any development work, but I also run workshops, and that's where it does actually bring in work. So I run a workshop at my conference that's one thing i will do because it's 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 money that i won't have to split with anyone and i can make 100 percent profit on that um which helps with you know business income um and if i ever kind of plug i like i said i'm not very good at plugging my my own projects um but i when i plug a workshop it tends to help uh during a talk or it helps the workshop if i if i'm at a talk plugging a workshop and companies have approached me not on mass but um, maybe one a year will approach me and ask me to run some training on JavaScript or HTML5 or Node or something because they've already I've already set the context with the conference talk that they've seen and you know the de- the delegate will go back to the company and say oh Remy does talks about Node and you know seems to know what he's talking about so mm. maybe he could run training yeah um, but I try and I mean basically my company is or Left Logic is um, development training and the the conference and the conference it's a it's a community event but it's not community as in we make a loss on the project we 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 make enough to pay uh, a a wage a single wage for the year which i mean it's three months of very solid work and then um like i said julie is, is doing logistics for travel for me flying god knows where and running training or running workshops for other companies and so on so she does she does all that and uh, all the finances for the, the business yeah. as well so i think i think it must it, you, you know it's that whole thing you said earlier about not pitching for work like if i was to go to leftlogic.com there's there's maybe only three th- three key things yeah, i think it was on your yeah yeah and 
and each of them, so two of them are, are like code type projects, and then the other one is is full frontal for conference. But mm. what that does is say, man, this this guy must know what the hell he's talking about. Like even if you, you, so, it all adds up, doesn't it? It all adds up. Yeah. And uh, what you said there about people hearing you speak at other conferences um, rings true from what Harry Roberts said in a much earlier episode, where there's that thing where delegates who hear you go back to their much bigger company and then say, hey, we should get this guy in for training yeah. or whatever. So why have you, why have you sh- doing less of the speaking that you it's, said? Is that just a family thing? Or? Yeah, it's, I, I mean, fa- family is my priority at the moment. We've got, uh, I've got a very young family. I've got uh, a four-year-old son and a uh, one-half-year-old daughter. And I, I, because I run my own show, I'm able to put them to bed every evening and, mm. you know, be there to help my wife as much as I can. Um, I mean, she does, she, she's full-time mom, so, um, she does a heck of a lot of work, but, you know, I get to, I get to put them to bed almost every single night. There's never, there's never been a, I think actually there's been one night in, in four years that I work has kept me from coming home to put them to bed. And that excludes where I've had to travel away for business, which, Again, I'm also trying to kind of dial dial back as much as possible because they're my priority, and that time's going to go. And mm. three or four years' time, it won't be as important. And I'm I'm in a position where I can make that that choice. And I also I work four days a week, um, and I tell my clients that, and they may not like it, but it's just that's how I do business. I work mon- I work Tuesday to Friday. Um, and I have Saturday to, to Monday at home having, doing family stuff. And the thing is, I also pick up my emails in the evening or I might do a bit of work like yeah, some emergency work at the weekend or there's all this extra time that I'm actually doing, which I'm basically saying that contributes to the Monday. Like it's effectively saying to a client that I'm available <laughs> four days a week, but I have to do kind of business admin on the Monday, so I'm not I'm not going to charge you for that. I'm not going to be there. I mean, I do. I'm working with a client at the moment, but I'm I'm doing stuff on a Monday with them and talking to them over Slack and and looking at issues. But I'm not. Yeah. I'm not being hired at that point, and it's only kind of dipping in and out. And it's interesting, um, isn't it, that this historical Monday to Friday nine to five almost makes you feel guilty when, in mm. fact, you're you're doing the work. It's, yeah. it's like that's uh, great that you've made that choice. Like I work, I I take every Wednesday off um, mm. to hang out with our youngest, and that's the whole point, right? Yeah. That's part. Well, not the whole point, but that's part of why we can it's be freelance. Perks, right? Yeah, we yeah. can. We can. And yeah, okay, it might mean we we work in the evening, but do, so you try and keep that fr- Saturday Sunday. Monday free of work so that you can just concentrate on yeah so that that's yeah. been it's been the case since my my son was born um that's great uh and it's it it gets harder to kind of hang on to with time and actually there was there was a period um uh during this year where i i i i kind of overcommitted to a couple of clients where i really wanted to help them as much as i could and end up having to do um monday through to friday so I did that. For, I think I did that for three months this year. And it, on one hand, I was like, uh, I feel terrible that I'm, I, I'm, I'm letting down my family. On the other hand, it's like my wife's pointing out that actually there's a lot of families that don't have this opportunity to work four days a week, and um, you know it's okay. It's not permanent, and you know yeah. it's. It, I, I think it, yeah. it gets harder with time to keep justifying it to myself. But as long as I'm able to find clients that. Are comfortable with that and 
are happy to work with me under those conditions, then then it, it works. And I've I've not I've not gotten to the point where a client has well, like has said no, you have to work Monday to Friday. <laughs> so and even if I did, I mean, you know, if that's a, the highest priority to them, then the work is probably not going to be the kind of work I want to do anyway. If that's that's what they're focused on, like I've had inquiries that have asked like. Uh, have said to me i only want to pay for the time you're actually typing on the keyboard it's if that's your priority then you've got a very kind of warped idea of what what the business what the work's going to be like so obviously i didn't tell that work (laughs) it's uh, and just briefly like how do you manage because you you're saying on you know you're not in your office anymore you're at home Mm. you know with two young kids around how do you manage to separate yourself away from that yeah, so that this is something I've I've been learning over the last over the last kind of year. Um, the the bottom line is when both kids are around, that it's not that I can't work; it's that I don't want to work. I want to be with them, you know. I, and I, I really don't want to say to my son, "No, Daddy's working now. You need to go and play Lego by yourself." I I, I don't just I don't like the idea of him thinking that if I'm in the kitchen, then I I could be working, or at any time I could be working. So. I what I uh, my son's in nursery kind of uh, or preschool kind of uh, Monday to Friday anyway for half of the day, so I tuck myself away in in uh, uh, one of the bedrooms with the door shut for the couple of hours that they're actually they actually come back and then one day a week when sorry he's not in, in nursery uh, the whole week there's one day a week when both kids aren't in nursery and my, and my wife's either home with them or taking them out and I'll actually I've got a co-working desk where I just go and work for the day basically um so there's one day a week that i'm actually on a co-working desk um yeah but at the moment i'm in a house at the moment where it's uh both kids are in nursery my wife is actually out running another event um so i'm on my own working basically and and if it weren't for some egypt phoning you up to talk to you for a podcast (laughs) you can actually focus you you've got that time limit which i personally anyway find makes me focus on what the hell i'm doing yeah yeah a lot more Cool. Um, I always do this thing where I ask you to give me three facts about yourself. Make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. One fact is I started programming when I was six. Another fact is my grandmother was one of the early programmer women in the UK uh, oh gosh yeah and the uh, third one would be I make a lot of money <laughs> do, you, do you really want that to be your third one yeah well I know which ones are I know which ones are li- which ones are lying which ones are facts <laughs> you see being British I, I fear the last one is the lie yeah. um, but I don't it's easy. Is it? I don't know Which, what to lie about. <laughs> but this is the thing I actually love about being like running my own business is that it's not about money anymore. It completely stopped being about money the day that I I I started working for myself. Like when I work for, when I worked for someone else when I had a normal job, the way I would compare myself to others is basically on how much you earn like if you earn less than someone that you think you do more work than you kind of undervalue yourself but when you work for yourself the amount of money you earn is is kind of relative to how much you need or at least for me it's how much i need and um i can't you know i love the idea of being able to 
sell one of my side projects for a few million, but frankly, it's never going to happen because I'm not that good a businessman and I'm not rich. I've got enough money. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, we, we're paying off our mortgage. It could be big, a bigger house. I mean, it's not a small house, but it could be a bigger house. I wish it were a bigger house sometimes, the amount of stuff that's just knocking around. I, I reckon no matter how big your house is, you find yeah. stuff that kids will fill that yeah. house with yeah. stuff. <laughs> Which, hang on, means you started programming when you were six. What was yeah. that, ZX Spectrum? Yeah, Spectrum days with those massive printouts and magazines. Yes. And I mean, I, I'd done it quite a few times, but I've got a very, very strong memory of being given Star Wars, the uh, the game, and it was printed in a magazine and literally typed it all out. I was there for, certainly in my memory, it's hours and hours and hours. It was probably like two hours, maybe. Yeah. Got to the end, typed run, just didn't work. <laughs> I did I just, did the same thing just to try and get that snake game that we all had on our Nokia phones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those big binders of, uh, of yep. code. Yeah. And um, programmer Gran... Yeah, so I mean, I I I don't I haven't met my uh, my grandmother. She she died when my dad was a, a young man or a young like teenager sort of thing. Yeah. But apparently his mum was a programmer. I haven't read a lot of detail, but I remember that the during the war, the job of computing was sold to to women because it was seen as like a secretarial job, whilst the men were going to war. So the first programmers were actually women. I say actually because we've got this kind of uh, disproportionate gender problem in the uh, technology world where it's a lot of men in uh, the tech industry when originally it was actually there were... So yeah, apparently she was a, a, a programmer. I mean, I don't even... I can't even begin to imagine what they were programming and how... I think it was all kind of punch card type stuff at that time. But, cool. But, yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Now, if you could tell your younger self something about being freelance, what would it be? Um, this is tough because I kind of look at my children as well and I'm like, don't, don't go get jobs, just, just do your own thing. Um, you say that though, right? But I mean, you, cause, cause you, you spent nine years yeah, at a company and I, I wonder how much of that helped you yeah. in running your own business. A, a huge amount. Like it, the, the, my boss was my mentor as, uh, as someone who runs, to, was a mentor during those years running his company. I, you know, he pushed me to being the kind of businessman I am today. If I hadn't had those years of experience of ups and downs, I wouldn't be able to do what I do today. And I wouldn't be able to do it the way that I want to do it today. If people want to find you online, where should they go? Um, RemySharp.com is the is my blog. Twitter is where I... It's basically my virtual office in a way. I kind of... You know, when I want to moan to someone about something at the coffee station, like that, Twitter is my... my uh, <laughs> my exit my gateway um, so i'm at rem on twitter cool uh we'll put links to that of course and, cool. and everything else online at beingfreelance.com go take a look we are at being freelance on twitter reach out to remy and um, remy thanks so much for your time today really appreciate it you're welcome and all the best being freelance thank you